With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome to the True Blue A podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Steven is here. You, the Dodgers did worse this week than last week. Did you Did you see that? They, yeah, they were um, as good as they were the first two weeks or week and a half. I guess uh, they were exactly the opposite last week. And the, I know you got to see one of them in person. And uh, I did. They were they were terrible, and uh, it's becoming a bit of an issue, especially one facet of the team. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about pitching. You wanted to start with the good news and our what will hopefully remain a weekly segment of the Cody Bellinger pace update. Yeah. So um, as of this moment, uh, Chris Davis has actually passed Cody Bellinger in the major league lead with home runs. He has ten. Uh, Cody Bellinger has nine. Although Cody Bellinger at the moment leading the league National League in uh, the Triple Crown categories, batting average uh, four twenty four. Um, uh, he's leading the league in like everything. He's on base, 500, slugging, 909. Um, total bases, RBIs, home runs, triples tied with one. <laughs> Hits, <laughs> runs scored 22 in 70 games. So so right now, uh, Cody Bellinger pace up to, he's played every game, so all, all 17 games. He's on pace for 86 home runs and 210 RBIs. Also 210 runs scored. So... He's he's on pace for um, actually twenty nine steals I believe, um, 
so he he would be the first uh, member of the eighty twenty club. Um, although, I, well, I don't think yeah. one of these certainly doesn't sound sustainable. I think he'll he'll get the thirty steals. Thirty's uh, a lot, but yeah, I, th- <laughs> I, I I wouldn't put twenty past him. Well, that's but, the I only assume, thing that's not yeah. going to be it. The rest, the rest he'll maintain. Yeah, no, no question. He's gonna hit, he's gonna drive in two hundred. No question. Um, <laughs> but um, so the the there actually is a a sort of eighty twenty club member, and that's um, uh, Ricky Henderson. But he did it the opposite way, sure, the right way. You know, with the right way. Steals, so. not not in this I mean, day and age. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? More about can you imagine? Yeah, if someone did that, that'd be amazing. So, so let's talk about the bad stuff. Do you, do you mm-hmm. so I went to. I, I don't know if I should be grateful or not. I certainly went to the strangest of the losses. As, as you think that's fair to say? Yeah. So. They go so keep in mind that we're coming off of two weeks or a week and a half of where the Dodgers they they won they lost two games they were eight and two they were literally like running rough shot over everyone and they were all three NL West opponents and then they decided oh let's go and check let's, how the old NL Central is yeah let's and go then, to let's go to Bush let's go visit the Cardinals how that's historically gone very well for the Dodgers yeah and then uh, so they you know they lose all right that's bound to happen but like the first game in St. Louis Hyunjin Ryu gets hurt uh, groin injury again he missed like three months last year it doesn't sound as serious this time but immediately goes on the DL he only lasted like into the second inning because he was hurt and then like he was just all downhill from there they, they kind of stopped hitting a little bit and then by the time Thursday rolled around, they lost the first three games, and you go to that game. The Dodgers actually were hitting, but then like they're just—it was a theme all week. Like their pitching was just so bad. Like, and uh, they ended up losing that game, and they just kept losing. So yeah, it was a bit of a bad week. I want to talk a little bit about my game since I was there. So I was there yep. for the afternoon game. Strange things that happened. Walker Bueller hit a home run. Yep, that was strange. The Cardinals ended up scoring eleven runs. Six mm-hmm. of those runs, if my math, if my memory is right, did not involve the Cardinals hitting the ball. Huh. It was two runs scored on a single wild pitch, and then oh, a yes. wild oh, pitch God. error, and then one pitch score, a uh, one run scored on an error, another run scored on a wild pitch error combo, and then two uh, hit by pitch runs batted in so and if i remember right uh, harrison bader was the batter in both correct i texted you those look up uh similar stats on how often that happens so i that's a bitch to look up because um <laughs> like it's it's specific to an event so you can't just do like a box score search and say two hit by pitches two rbis or whatever um and because you have to look at the individual bats make sure they actually drove in the run but like so i found jose vidro in like 2001 for the expos had two bases loaded hit by pitches in the same game but then uh, i forgot who it was someone else james smith i believe on twitter i retweeted him uh he found reed johnson 2005 was actually the last one to do it so either way very very odd occurrence very rare um but yeah so that, that was a a weird game. So that game was eleven to seven, right? That was the final. Right. The the Dodgers really, really knew how to hit Waka, and then as soon as he left, they became they almost got no hit. I think they might have snuck a single in. Oh yeah, they were like over fourteen or something to end the game. Yeah. After like it was, yeah, and that was just bad. Like they, um, so that that game was funny because you know the if you look on MLB.com or whatever and see the pitching matchups for the day, sometimes the names line up to make like a funny sort of name. 
or something, but this one was it was Waka Bueller, which is <laughs> which is pretty good. And then uh, so you you saw like two extremes of Walker Bueller, I think, because he um, he hit his first major league home run uh, to, and then the Dodgers had like a bleed to start off the game, but then he was terrible on the mound. So it's like, uh, it was bad. He's, he's off to a bad start. Yeah. It was it, our, we're from where our seats were. We had really good vision of the movement on the ball. So I thought he was looking good, but then the, I'm like, Oh, this umpire clearly, clearly can't see the zone. And I checked and huh. I'm like, Oh no, he's just not hitting anything. He's not yeah. um, not commanding the zone at all, which isn't a shock. We talked about this last week. He was sl- uh, didn't get much of a spring training. This feels sort of like a, a rush job to get him back. So I think there's hope that he'll he'll right the ship and he'll look, if not as excellent as he was last season, something that comes pretty close. Yeah. See, I, I'm not like you know he's been certainly bad but also it's been three starts so it's like not a you know you're not like running to the hills yelling and screaming and panicking or whatever but like yeah part of that is like yeah he had dead arm in spring so he's delayed and like so he's playing catch up you have rich hill with his knee thing he's going to be out for like probably another week and a half Clayton kershaw is actually back tonight by the time this comes out he will have pitched on monday in the majors so like so it's like the dodgers have been like just waiting on getting their full like stab back and now reuse hurt again, but like the it's all they they do have depth, but like when the people who are there and supposed to be pitching well aren't that like throws every, it's like last year with the bullpen, like they were okay for a while, but then like once Kenley Jansen was struggling, like if you don't have that to anchor it, like you're in trouble. And then like we saw that last year, um, and now it's like Walker Bueller probably should have been like the Dodgers best pitcher or at least close to it, but he's been their worst starter so far, which is odd. Or maybe, you know, maybe one of them, depending on how you look at the metrics, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's, that's not something that'll, that's good, but like, it's also not, maybe not something that's going to continue. So, and there's a double compounding effect. I think at least on the Twitter, Twitter versing that I'm checking, you know, sort of day to day, since I'm the only Dodger fan I know in Kansas city, I have Mm -hmm. to live vicariously through Twitter. A bull, the bullpen is getting a lot of blame as well, which, you know, it's not exactly unfair, but there's a cascading effect t- twice when the starting pitching is hurt and bad. Pitchers that might normally be in the bullpen that might excel in the bullpen aren't there. And in addition to that, the bullpen is getting taxed really, really early this season. Yeah. So, so like, the the Dodgers last, I know they had the one, like, super long game, 13 innings, um, and that but like Dodgers starters this year are averaging just a tick under five innings a game like four I think it's 4.98 which is you know bad you know they're they're very aggressive and going to the bullpen but also they've just been bad so Mm -hmm. like that's helpful like last year they were they were five and a half innings a game it doesn't sound like a big difference but over the course of a season that's a huge that's 81 innings over the you know or maybe a little more so like imagine like and eventually you're basically saying the bottom of your bullpen has to make up for that because you're using it so much. So imagine replacing 80, 80 you know, 80, 80 to five, 85 innings out of like bad pitchers to like semi good pitchers. Like that, that's a huge difference. So like, that's, that's and sort of where, why they're at where they're at right now. And if the Dodgers look, the starting pitching looks like anything it did last year, those are better than average pitchers, starting pitchers. And if the bullpen looks like it does last this year, that's Yimmy Garcia and Joe Kelly taking the innings away. 
and that explains yeah. a lot. And in addition to just the starters not looking very great, uh, with an exception of last night, which you want to talk about, sure, uh, maybe so a bright like, spot, right? And like uh, just to get it out of the way, so they, the Dodgers after they started eight and two, they they had won five straight heading into this last week, and they hit on the went on the road to St. Louis, um, and then. Um, they lost all four games, but they, so they lost six in a row. They lost the first two to Milwaukee as well. Uh, and then, like, it was funny because people were, like, Yasmani Grandalchi did really homeward. I think he hit a couple doubles in the series. And someone mentioned, oh, the Yasmani Grandal's revenge is, like, and I think Chad Moriyama had it right. He's like, revenge for what? Like, he was, like, really good with the Dodgers, and he just signed elsewhere. Like, there's, like, revenge, I think he said, uh, like revenge for like helping the Brewers in the NLCS. Like, what what was the revenge for? You know, like it was it was weird. He just had a good series. He's a good catcher. Like, that's what happens. But like, uh, yeah. So anyway, so they lost six straight. So they they saved themselves from a winless week by on Sunday. Um, and we mentioned the starters were really bad. Like they had given up almost literally. It was like two thirds away of an inning of uh, a run per inning. They were that like that's and they were barely getting by all week and Saturday was a bullpen game. So the bullpen was taxed even more. So they desperately needed Ross Stripling to pitch, pitch well um, on Sunday. And all he did was go eight innings. So like um, that he, he didn't give up a run until the eighth. So like there was this weird thing at the same time, um, um, German Mar- uh, Herman Marquez, I guess for the Rockies, um, he was pitching a no hitter into the eighth for Colorado. They were in San Francisco um, and like, the game was going a little bit quicker than the Dodger game. So, but at some point, like uh, they were both dueling to be like the first player to get a shutout this year. Uh, but then Ross Stripling gave up a run in the eighth. So he was taken out after eight. Uh, Marquez ended up giving up a hit in the eighth inning, but then completed his shutout. So he actually has the only major league shutout this year by a, or a complete game shutout, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so Stripling was very good and that saved the Dodgers from, sort of a uh, it was a bad week but it saved him from like the worst week <laughs> so that that was good and that that like sort of brightened up the numbers a little bit uh because the the pitching was really really bad like um you know before that yeah and the the last two games against Milwaukee especially there there were signs of that they could break out of the slump which was hopeful so i i'm not i'm not chicken littling yet but we'll see yeah, I, I I do think they're going to be fine. But just to give, give you some of the numbers, um, so this year the Dodgers starters, um, their ERA is four forty six. Like that's eighth in the National League. Last year was three eighteen. <laughs> they were first uh, strikeout rate. Last year they were first in, uh, in the National League, twenty five point seven percent. This year twenty point two percent, second from last in that. Um, and this is just the starters. Uh, strikeout to walk 2.73 this year. That's 10th. Last year they were 4.21. That's first. So all these things, they were the best in the league at last year from the starters. This year they've been below average to bad, and they're not going as far in the game. So that's like spells out. It it taxes the bullpen. It, it, like like you said, like it's just a, it's a snowball effect that they're 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 losing because of it. Um, yeah, you met Joe Kelly. If we're, we're going to do a Cody Bellinger pace update, maybe we got to do a Joe Kelly update until he like can, improves because he's given up um, what ten runs in seven and a third innings. He's pitched six games. He's given up a run in all six games or in five all five or five games. And then the one game he didn't give up a run in. He only pitched one batter because 
Uh, he got an out on a comeback under the mound that hit his wrist, and he got injured and was forced to leave. So the only time he didn't give up a run was when he only faced one batter and was hurt. So it's been a very bad start to Joe Kelly's Dodger career. Um, you know, obviously, if he gives up a run every time he comes in, it's not going to – he's just going to not – He just doesn't look anymore. He just doesn't look right. Yeah, he's he's not good right now. So his ERA is twelve twenty seven. He's also allowed uh, of the four inherited runners he's inherited. Uh, three of them have scored. So like he's a scoring machine right now for the opposing team, and it's been bad every time they bring him in. One thing I'd like to do is let's just go through the Dodgers' sort of ideal rotation, or maybe the rotation we thought we would have at the beginning of spring. And maybe just get an update on each, both in terms of, in two of the cases, how hurt they are and when we're going to see them again. And two, the, the ones that don't look so right right now, how optimistic you are that they'll get it fixed. And if not, who the Dodgers could look to to maybe re- replace them. That sound good to you? Sure. Clayton Kershaw. So he, um, he hasn't pitched yet. He's, he's pitching tonight as we're recording this on Monday. So... Uh, we're going to be like, it's either, he's either going to be like, I don't know, it's, who knows? He, it could be <laughs> a number of things, but like, he just hasn't pitched yet. And so, and his velocity is, is sort of, I don't think anyone expects him to go 93, 94 right now. Um, so it's a matter of effectiveness, what he's going to have with that, you know, 90 to 91 velocity or whatever. And he's probably going to be fine with that, but it's going to be an adjustment and, so he, he's going to pitch against the Reds tonight who are in town with like, I think like 27 X Dodgers on the roster. So uh, it'll be very, very, very odd. Yasiel Puig had zero home runs for the Reds until Sunday when he finally hit his first. So perhaps uh, he's getting uh, heated up just in time to see his old team. Rich Hill. So Rich Hill had the left knee um, uh, problem. Uh, he pitched a few like bullpen sessions. He's next up on. So Kershaw had like two minor league rehab starts before he's pitching Monday, um, and then now Rich Hill. He's going to have his minor league rehab start. I, I think it's Wednesday. I forgot the actual day, but I think it's Wednesday. Probably they said I think either Tulsa or Rancho Cucamonga. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, so I would imagine he probably needs an, a start or two. So he's probably like a week and a half, maybe two weeks away at most. Uh, but he's getting closer to back. Walker Bueller, we talked about a little bit. You're you're still optimistic. Is there any point where they have to either uh, shutting him down or sending him down? For, like, does he need a rehab start? Like, what no. is, is what he is what he's going through fixable? Yeah, I so I think he had a dead arm in spring training. It wasn't like anything. In, he wasn't injured or anything. Uh, and I think his stuff's been fine. Um, I, he just didn't have any command. Like the game you went to, like he was terrible. Like he could, you were saying he couldn't hit his spots. Uh, and that's all it's been. So I just think it's a matter of like getting that honed up a little bit. Uh, and it's probably a result of, um, you know, not having a long spring um, to work work out some kinks. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think he's going to be fine. It might take a couple starts for him to sort of get the rhythm back, but. But long term, I'm not I'm not terribly worried about him. Another injury update: Hinjin Ryu. Yeah, so he had the groin injury. That was Monday, uh, so he missed his his next start. And then um, they said he's throwing a bullpen this week. Uh, that's sort of a positive sign. But it's, you know, he's probably going to need a rehab start, I would imagine. So I, I don't know how how long he is away. Maybe a week or two at at best. 
So, but he's going to be out a little bit. So we just have to sort of wait on him. The next three are all the potential fifth starter and all pitchers who have pitched out of the bullpen for the Dodgers. Kinta Maeda, you assume, is who they want to be that starter, and they'd rather have Stripling and Urias in the bullpen. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, I know, like, Stripling sort of seized the, the bull by the horns last year, and, and in the first half he made the all-star team. He's really good, and then he sort of faded. And then this year uh, he was, you know, sort of the same, like kind of struggling a little bit before his great start on Sunday. Um, but, yeah, I think Maeda they would prefer to sort of, you know, be that he's um, he he's allowed the most home runs um, on the staff four, uh, a couple other with three, but not a huge difference there. But I just think uh, I don't know. He's he's looked okay, but not not very not like super effective. I I mean, he's probably going to be fine. But we're like again, they're going to fill out like if if it's Kershaw, Hill, Ryu, Bueller, you just sort of. You, you take what you can get from the rest and whoever's sort of pitching the best is fine. And like all those people have experience in the bullpen. So not terribly worried about it. I think over over time, like Maeda will probably be fine. And if it's not Maeda, Stripling can probably hold it down for a little bit. Do we know the corresponding move to Kershaw being um, activated from the IL? So not, not as, as of this recording, but I, I would imagine. So there's two real options here. One, the Dodgers on Sunday, they sent down Dennis Santana and called up Josh Spores. Um, he was the their draft pick in 2015. He was the most outstanding player at the College World Series for Virginia. He beat Walker Bueller's Vanderbilt team that year um, in the World Series. And then um, so he was added to the 40 man in November. So it was his first time getting called up. Uh, he did not pitch Sunday. Uh, he's a possibility, but I think the more likely one is uh, Jamie Schultz. Um, who was um, – he pitched Saturday and Sunday. Um, and he was sort of a call-up last week too. So I, I would imagine since he's probably not available the next few nights anyway, um, uh, the, uh, then I think he's going to probably be the guy to go down for Kershaw, but it's, it's either one of those Schultz or Spores. Well, that covers pitching, which is definitely the main thing, uh, Eric, you and I wanted to talk about because it kind of tells the story of this last week, this – not very good week, but I want to talk a little bit about the offense. Offense largely looking, still looking really, really good. Yeah, they've been they've been hitting like <laughs> I don't know. It was like they, you know, they 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 certainly like um, they were hitting out of their mind with like runners in scoring position the first week and a half, and then they kind of went away from that a little bit. But that's you know they're not gonna they weren't gonna hit that way all sure. year. So it's and then. Um, so yeah, they struggle a little bit. I think the main, this is one of those things where like, it's, it's not terribly, um, discouraging. Like you look at like Justin Turner has a 317 slugging percentage and no home runs right now. Um, so like you expect him to obviously get better. Corey Seager's looked okay, but not like, you know, Corey Seager basically. Uh, and, and like AJ Pollock has struggled. Um, you know, he uh, and like they haven't got hardly anything out of Chris Taylor, but like it's been fine, I think, for the most part, the offense. But the, it's one of those things like the, the some of the main struggling players are the ones like you you have an idea will probably be better um, pretty naturally. So they can offset some of the guys who are like playing over their heads. Um, 
so yeah, not terribly concerned about the offense, but just in general, it's it's been okay. Yeah, I I still think I would describe it as better. Okay, I I understand they had a few rough patches during that away stand, but nothing looked right, and it was in St. Louis where nothing ever goes right. So I'm I'm not super as concerned as you are. Uh, as you said, I expect everything to sort of right up into a very very good offense. Certainly, certainly one of the best in the National League. Yeah, and then like um, like Jock Peterson still like he he went last week. He didn't have a hit. Uh, and then, like, he still on the season has six home runs and 1,000 OPS. So it's like, all right, he's doing fine. Kike at second has 1,000 OPS, and he has four home runs. So, And we've already established that Cody Bellinger is clearly going to drive in 200 runs. So it, the offense is probably going to be fine. Yeah. Alex Verdugo also looking pretty good, I think. Yeah, like, really good. Like And, and like, earning more playing time. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's looked great. Wanted to touch a little bit on the quote-unquote backup catching situation russell martin got hurt with his back was the back issue yeah back uh so they called up rocky gale who had his i think fifth career start uh in st louis in my game and he looked very bad right he uh, He, couldn't throw guys out he was one of the errors that scored a run Uh, i think struck out I think every time he was at bat, maybe not. I have my scorebook three, somewhere. He was but... three out of four. Okay. Uh, yeah, o- over four with three Ks. Okay. I had probably had, for, I was blacked out at the point he actually <laughs> uh, did something else, put a ball in the play. But do we have any idea of when Russell would be back with the team? He was looking really good before he got hurt. I haven't seen like a full update on that. I think he's it's probably a short-term thing. So I would imagine by, by like uh, next week, probably Russell Martin will be back, mate. But uh don't don't hold me to that, but I think that's that's sort of a r- rough timeline for that. It's going to be the first note on the show notes if he's not back. Is the <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be like, well, I didn't know Russell Martin was going to be out till July. Ah, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I think that's all the news I wanted to cover before we get to a few questions from Craig. Is there anything you wanted to talk about? Um, the only, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I guess. No, uh, not really. It's it's pretty much. Oh, I guess Dylan Floro like sort of continued continues to surprise. He he has yet to give up a run in eight appearances. Like he 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 was really good after the Dodgers got him in last year's trade deadline, and like uh, he's been super stingy and like one of their best relievers. So kudos to him. All right, question from Craig. Sure. Our friend Craig Manami sends us, usually it's five questions every week, and most weeks, not not every week, sometimes we give him a break, because you know, mm. this is a lot of questions he has to write. Absolutely. And they're, and they're always great. So the first question, Cody Belger leads the Dodgers in runs, hits, home runs, RBI, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, and stolen bases. Of all of those, and with a minimum plate appearances of 300 for the rate stats, name two of them that some other Dodger will eventually take the lead. Okay, so I I was thinking about this. I think that the two for sure are going to be batting average and on-base percentage, and I I think I would take Justin Turner for both. Uh, But And I think probably... Like Corey Seager's probably going to pass him in batting average. Max Muncie might pass him in on base percentage. Um, but yeah, I think those are the two most vulnerable for Bellinger. I think he's going to lead the team in home runs. And you know, I don't know about like RBIs and runs, but he he's so like active and he he's he's like the guy. 
mean, they have a lot of guys who play every day, but he's been like the most receptive and healthiest to that. He's the youngest. Um, that I think he's going to end up leading in a lot of the counting stats, like runs scored. Like he, uh, Jack Peterson second with 13 runs scored, and Cody Mellinger has 22. Like 22 is not sustainable, sustainable, but I think he's going to end up leading the team in runs and probably RBIs. Um, he's leading them, and he's tied with Corey Seager for walks right now with 10. Maybe he's not going to lead him in that, but I think um, he will lead him in slugging percentage. Maybe not the 909 he's at right now. <laughs> Shout out to the 909. Um, but um, he, and he's look, he's he has three of their four steals. They just don't steal, so he's probably going to lead him in steals. So yeah, steals um, is the one that kind of sticks out a little bit. Of oh, he's not going to steal right. that much. The issue yeah, is but, that uh, none of the team will steal that much. Yeah, and then and also oh yeah, he's the fastest dodger. Like yeah. you know, like so. <laughs> um, so I think yeah, he's going to lead. I think, but yeah, I would say batting average and on base percentage um are going to be the ones that he's going to struggle Run with sticks the most. out to me a little bit just kind, kind yeah. of going in the same logic of you have is i think there will be people who will have maybe a slightly higher on base and batting average hitting in front of him and then he's going to be doing the rbi thing so i could see maybe Corey seager taking the, the runs from him uh, just as another player that is likely to play more often than not obviously coming back from injury and playing a position like shortstop he's more likely to get a day off than Bellinger, but I think it'll even out a little bit. But boy, but this is this is harder than it looks sometimes, especially yes. if Justin Turner continues. Even if he bounces back a little bit, he may continue the regress. You know, just enough to where this young phenom just takes all of them. Yeah. So, and I think you're right about the runs. Like uh, last year, uh, Cody Bellinger scored 84. Chris Taylor was the only one with more with 85, and that's because Chris Taylor played like basically every single day like Bellinger and he was at the top of the lineup a lot. So Corey Seager sort of fits that mold so he could do it. But I just think Bellinger is like um, probably not, it's not a boat race right now or anything, but he's off to such a big lead. Like, well, look like last year. So like Max Muncy, right? He, he had a 391 on base. Bellinger was 343, but Bellinger had 151 more plate appearances. So he scored nine more runs than Muncy. So like, um, even if Bellinger doesn't get on base at like a, you know, a 500 clip the rest of the year, if it's 350 or whatever, he's still going to be on base a ton. So like, I think, uh, I still think it's, I think it's safe to say he leads the team and runs, but maybe, maybe Corey Seager is the one who do, who, who like sort of takes him off that. Second question is about Yasiel Puig. Yasiel will be back in Dodger stadium in a Reds uniform tonight. For some, that will be weird to see Puig in a different uniform. For me, seeing Steve Garvey in the classic Padres uniform will always be the strangest. Which players in similar situations were weird for you to see? Hmm. It doesn't necessarily um, have to be Dodgers or the baseball, he said. Sure. Um, Piazza was Piazza was, was tough. my answer, for sure. Because that, that was like a gut punch of a trade. Um, and that was just very, very... And it was such an ugly divorce, like, that it was it was bad. Like, that was really bad. Um it was very weird to see, like, Fernando when he went to the Angels and when the Dodgers released him um, because he was such a fixture for, like, a decade and, like, a, a superstar. And then he was just, like, injured and, and, like, they just sort of tossed him aside. And, like, that that was weird because also I was younger and I didn't quite, you know, understand the depths of, like, what how baseball sort of worked and how it was, it's kind of brutal sometimes and, like, 
but just to see him not in the Dodger, that was not in a Dodger uniform. That was super weird. Um, I was, I wasn't, um, I, I wasn't a full fledged like Dodger fan until like after the infield was gone. So like, I didn't, I didn't have the, the, um, the ties to like Steve Garvey and, and Ron say and, and Davey Lopes and those guys. Uh, so maybe it's not so much that, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's probably like um, Piazza and Fernando for me. Outside of baseball, I don't follow football as much as I used to, but Peyton Manning was definitely one of those weird ones for me where just so long of my football watching life was watching him in a Colts uniform. So that, that was strange and completely outside of my fandom, but I just remember being really just weirded out by it was Carl Malone when he was on the Lakers. Oh, that was super weird. It was weird. just strange. Yeah. Well, that was a weird year in itself, like for the Lakers because of all the stuff going on. I spent Kobe had like his his rape trial basically, and like uh, that was like a subtext, but also the team was like sort of um, this weird. It was like the first, not the first time, but in the modern era maybe, where like a team tried to be like a super team and like. They had added Malone and Gary Payton, and then it, like it almost worked, but it didn't. And but that, it was weird seeing both of those guys as Lakers, like after being a um, long time. But as Malone, especially because he was such an like an Iron Man and played for so long with the Jazz, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, like this weird ending with the Lakers was very odd. Third question is for me. I don't, I very rarely get my own question, Eric. I'm very <laughs> excited. <laughs> Since you have been in the Kansas City metropolitan area for some years now, is there a regional food or drink item that you are surprised that you are in you enjoy? Not really. Kansas City and sort of the Midwest in general, but Kansas City specifically, the regional food is either how could you not love it or how on earth could you ever have liked it? There's a lot of weird uses of mayonnaise and liver pate out here that I I I, I won't even try. But we're mostly known for barbecue, and how could you not love Kansas City barbecue? Any listener or uh, Eric, if you ever want to come visit, I, I have a list of at least three or four I would consider elite barbecue places, and then another dozen places that are better than anything you can get in LA. So isn't isn't one of them like um, in a gas station? Joe's uh, Joe's Kansas City, formerly known as Oklahoma Joe's, the original location is in a gas station. Huh. Which is, I live a mile and a half from the gas station location. So come out on a Saturday. We'll wait in line for an hour, but you'll get the best barbecue of your life. Sounds good. Fourth question. The Dodgers will make their first in-season trade, excuse me, in which month and for what position? Hmm. I think... Uh, I want to say... Let's say June, and it'll be a relief pitcher. I'm going to say May for a reliever. Yeah, I almost said May. But yeah, you're probably right. I think a lot of that might stem on Ryu's health. If he's going to yeah. be out longer and they can't quite move uh, Stripling, I'm assuming back into the bullpen will be the last one kind of taking his spot. Um, eventually, something's going to give. Uh, another thing that could happen, uh, I want to talk about this a little bit. What happens if Kelly just keeps pitching this badly? Uh, I think at some point, like, it, then it, it becomes like, well, you know, then he might have um, tendonitis, quote yeah, unquote. And then go, phantom and, IL in, in play here. Yeah, and then he'll just end up, like, uh, going to Arizona for a bit and trying to, like, work things out or 
they'll I figure something out, but I, I don't know how how much how many more like how much of this like has to continue before that to happen. Like it probably he probably has a little bit of a rope. Um, sure, and but, like, as but, like, it should. It, the the yeah. stuff has looked the the stuff on the the breaking pitches I think has looked really good, and I am I'm by no means a scout, so if someone wants to correct me, the biggest issue to me is that fa- fastball just looks so flat. Uh, and he, and he's not been able to locate it that well either, uh, either pitches for that matter. So when they're in the zone, they're just teeing off. So he's pitched in six games. Um, I would I would imagine it takes at least five more appearances before they go like, wait a minute, we got to do something here. That, that um, makes sense to me. And that's at like a minimum. So like, yeah, it, it's probably he has a little bit of rope here. But yeah, you're right. Like he ha- he definitely has to improve, or else they have no choice but right. to sort of do something. Because it's not just about role, results. Sometimes relievers will have just these kind of fluky results where everything kind of looked good. Maybe they weren't locating as much as they want. But generally, you know, you just keep writing it out until the results sort of regress a little bit. And in this case, he just doesn't look good. So um, I yeah. think five sounds good to me. I think I like that. So that that'll be maybe the middle of next week is by the time he'll get that appearance. Cause they certainly are going to pick their spots on when they bring him in. Right. Yeah, I think so. It, within like the next two weeks, either Joe Kelly will have improved or, um, or yeah, or then they have to pull a trigger and do something on him. Last question is for you. It's a, there's a few parts to this, but the first part, did you learn to drive in Palm Springs? Yes. He asks because I stopped. He stopped to get a burrito, which is a different story. On his way home from Arizona last month, and he took a road that turned into a highway and eventually led back to the Ten West. I thought it would be something that you drove just as you were learning. Those were those the kind of roads you were you were learning to drive? Sort of. Um, the, what I the only thing I could think of of this is that he's talking about the one eleven. Uh, which, so if you're, if you're coming from like LA area and going out to Palm Springs, you're on the 10, either you take the 10, like, and keep on going until you get off in like Cathedral City, there's like an in and out. Uh, now there's a casino there, uh, on that, on that very same exit. I used to live like one exit off of there. That's the in and out I ate at on my way to spring training. I I worked at that in and out for, uh, like two years. Yeah, it wasn't. I wasn't there this last week, you know, but uh, or two last month. Um, the other option is before riding the ten, and you can get off at the one eleven and sort of take the. It's not. It's not like a mountain road, but it's it's more a little bit more desolate. It's a smaller road. You go through a place called Windy Point, which is aptly named because uh, a lot of people play uh, ride like uh, ATVs on the sand dunes there and stuff. But, like, it's a two-lane road, uh, basically. It turns into downtown, one of the main streets, Palm Canyon. Um, so I'm guessing that's what Craig took. Um, but, yeah, I when I learned to drive, it was basically just, you know, city streets, obviously. But then there were a couple times when I was um, getting the hang of it, and I drove. Like, we would go visit my sister or something in, like, um, in Victorville area, Um and so I got to make a few of those trips, which involved taking the 111 um, or taking the 10. And yes, I did get to drive on those. Uh, it, it wasn't that bad. The only thing is when I first started driving, my mom was so like weirdly strict about certain things. I, I actually got into a big argument with her because I, I was a smart aleck too. And when I knew I was right, I would not back down. And like she was, she would like, not let me she was like you can't turn right on here i'm like mom you can turn right on the red light as long you know as long as you have 
you know, there's clearance or whatever. And she's, oh, there's not. So I, and, uh, you know, uh, that was like a point of contention. She, th- she thought cruise control was quote unquote, the devil, uh, at some point, like it was the most that really dangerous. What you called it? Uh, she called it, I think the devil once, but she said the quote was, it's the most dangerous thing on the road. <laughs> That's what she said at one Strong. point. And so, uh, I never drove with cruise control for like, until I was in college because I didn't have it. Um, uh, but once I did, it was amazing. Um, but, um, so, uh, at some point, uh, I drove, I got to drive back. I, one of my first times driving back on the freeway and, uh, we were on the 60, um, and that's a two lane road too. Uh, at some point it, it branches to two lanes on each side. So you have a little bit of passing, but we were like stuck behind the semi and I swear the semi was going like 45 and I could have passed and she would not let me pass. Like she was like, <laughs> I, she was like, it was like over, over safety to a fault. And I was so mad. Uh, so I think that was the only like um, aggravating part of learning to drive in pump strings, but like it was, it wasn't bad. It was, there, there's nothing out there. Um, I guess the one time from college in San Diego, if you take one of the back roads, it's even that's through the mountains and you go through like Anza and those, that's a, a bit of a scarier drive, especially like the first time. Because there's a couple like points where you look down, and you're like, oh man, it's not like super scary, but it's it's just different. And I wasn't used to that, and I did not like that much at all. So I didn't take that very often. But uh, that was sort of a that was probably more uh, even more scary than like 111. Well, that's all the questions. You have a Dodgers rewind for us. Yeah. How much time uh, before, did you put in this one? Actually, uh, it was it, it was another Monday morning creation, but uh, I think this one actually turned out pretty well because. It has some like actual meaning to it. Look, I love all of them. But sure. Just wanted to tease you a little bit. But before we start that, I just want to note out the today's like Patriots Day in Boston, and that means the Red Sox play a 11 a.m. local time game, which is 8 a.m. on the West Coast, which is always weird to have 8 a.m. baseball. And uh, Chris Davis, who had a who had his um, record streak uh, to uh, extend to 0 for 54 last week, uh, and then he finally got three hits in a game. He homered today, so. All is right in the world again. He's he's back. He's back. Uh, but yeah. So today, um, the Dodgers rewind uh, is Doug Rao. Um, he pitched for the Dodgers in the seventies. Uh, the reason the I didn't catch this until I was doing a little bit of research on him. But so last night, Ross Stripling pitched eight innings. It's the best like Dodgers starter performance of the year. Ross Stripling went to Texas A and M. Doug Rao went to Texas A and M. So there's your there's your local like current connection but the more i looked at it, i always thought this and i i didn't realize just how close it was until i looked at the numbers i always thought of like doug rao as like the left-handed chad billingsley sort of like this um semi-hyped like first round draft pick who like didn't quite live up to expectations it was still like pretty good but also like you know probably i would say most players most um uh most like Dodger fans like don't consider them good. Like did you, they do don't you have at, a do you have a Doug Rao jersey? I do I do not. So they're in that respect they are not alike. Uh, I do have a Chad Billingsley jersey. Uh, it's a road number fifty eight. Um, but so the the thing I was going to bring up was so okay so here's some similarities between well okay Billingsley was right handed. Uh, and Doug Rao was left-handed, but they're remarkably similar in some of their stats. So both of them pitched for the Dodgers for eight years. 
Um, both of them had an injury um, that wiped out like their ninth season. They didn't pitch at all. For for Rao, it was a um, rotator cuff in 19, um, 1980. And then for Billingsley, it was Tommy John surgery that wiped him out in 2014. Then their next season was with a different team, Rao with the Angels and Billingsley with the Phillies. And then both barely pitched that year because they got hurt again, and then they basically were done. So it's remarkably similar. But just look at these Dodger numbers. So both pitched 219 games for the Dodgers. Billingsley started 190, Rao 184. Billingsley won 81 games, Rao 80. His uh, Rao's ERA plus was 106. Billingsley's 110. So like they're they're kind of like remarkably similar. And then if you take a step uh, further, um. Uh, Billingsley, you know, he had the very notable, like, wooden, wooden hits. I forgot who he was supposed to hit, honestly, looking back on in, in the, um, in the Phillies matchups, but so he just didn't pitch well. So six, both of them had three starts and three relief appearances in the postseason in their career. Billingsley's ERA was 688. Uh, Rouse ERA was 655. So both sort of disappointed in their very brief postseason career. Um, the one, um, the one thing that made me think of Ralph first was there's this classic Tommy Lasorda rant, and like just those words alone is funny because they always like there's there's so many classic Tommy Lasorda rants, but like so one of them he was mic'd up for the 1977 World Series. It was Game Four at Dodger Stadium, and uh, the first inning went along, and the the um, Yankees like I think put two on base but didn't score. And then the, the second inning started against Rao, and it was like double, single, double. And then so there's one run in and then two runners in the scoring position, no outs in the second, and sort of visits the mound. And he's mic'd up for this and eventually got released. And he's out there, like, just cussing Rao out. And, like, and uh, Rao at one point goes, uh, uh, I'm feeling good, Tommy. And Tommy goes, I don't give a shit. You feel good? He's like, there's four fucking hits on the board, and he just starts to light into him. It's it's great. I, I'm going to. I already have it linked in our show notes. I'm going to link the video. Uh, but that's sort of the essence of, of Doug Rao. Sadly, uh, he had a good some good years. Like um, he won 16 games in 1976. He was basically a he 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 average. He started at least 30 games five straight years. 74 to 78 and the Dodgers made the world series three of those years. So like he was, he was good. Uh, it's just, but you know, injuries wiped out of career and it kind of was over before maybe he wanted to. Well, that wraps up this episode. Yeah. So, you know, this, it's weird. They played the Brewers last week and then they're playing the Brewers again this week. So like they're getting their NLCS rematch, like out in about the same time they played last year. And they play them seven times in a 10 day span this year. And, uh, this time it's at Milwaukee for four games next weekend, but they they like we said they play the Reds too. So very NL Central heavy April for them. The Dodgers get the Dodgers. A, they get a day off yeah. this week, right? They do not. What? Um, <laughs> they're, they're they're still they're in the middle of this like seventeen days in a row thing. Um, I think it's going to end up being uh, what are they at seventeen games now? I for, I forgot the exact number, but I think it's like twenty five out of twenty six. Uh, games uh 25 games 26 days or something to start the season something weird so yeah it's it's very it's very odd i just find it strange because one of the things you and i talked about over the off season one of the few things we had to talk about was 
MLB trying to make sure there were more rest days for the teams going forward? Yeah, there, there, usually there is like in, in like April is prime for that because a lot of teams have like built in like weather um, off days, especially for like home openers and stuff. But there's always like off days in April, and that's why a lot of teams they sometimes can maneuver to the point where they could start out with a four man rotation if they wanted to or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it, this is a this is more of a quirk than anything. Um, the, so the Dodgers actually have next Monday off the twenty second. So they will have played. They will have started the season with twenty four games in twenty five days. So that yeah, that that's a very the, it, the plus side is that means they still get all those off days. Now it's just going to be you know spread out over the course of the rest of the season. So um, yeah, it'll be weird. Uh, but yeah, so they're, they're in a in this and the, they dang they I didn't even notice this. They play after this week. They play at the Cubs and then the Pirates are home. So they will have played a total of. 20 straight games against the NL Central. That is super odd. That's a weird April schedule. So anyway, but we'll, we'll talk about more of this NL Central stuff and the Dodgers next week. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you later.